Jesus' name, wherever we're at, whether we're here live in person, wherever we may be online, would you just take, would you just take a moment? Because I think there's times in our lives where we go through the day, get caught up in it. We forget to say those words to our God. So take that time right now. The Bible says in Psalms, be still and know that I am God. But Lord, right now, we choose to be still. And not just know that you are God, but wherever we are, can we just proclaim how much we love him? How much we adore him? for you tonight and Lord that's what we sing to you Lord and Lord we love you we thank you for the love that you have for us Lord that Lord you never leave us you never forsake us you're always by our side that you're for us you fight the battles that we never even see because Lord you fight in our behalf and so Lord wherever we may be Lord we take this time right now to declare that we love you and Lord help us in every moment to not forget to declare that to you. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing and look, we look forward to what you're gonna do in our lives because of who you are. You are our great God and that's why we worship you, Lord. And we're so grateful, Lord, that you're for us and you do everything, Lord. You bless us beyond measure. And as we proclaim how much we love you, Lord, one of the ways that we get to express that is when we give unto you, Lord, as we give into what you're doing in the lives of not just our lives, but in the lives of your people. And so Lord, right now we pray that as we give unto you, Lord, you're gonna take it and you're gonna multiply it so that more and more people can receive your love, can, can know your love and receive all that you have for them. Lord, continue to just let us be amazed by all 
that you have for us, but more importantly, for who you are. You are our God, and we love you. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, and we pray for all of this in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen. Well, welcome to New Hope Church. We're so glad that you're joining us. And right, again, if you're, uh, for, just letting you know, if you're online, we have those four ways that you can give. Uh, we call it tithes and offerings. Also, if you're here live, we have our tithes and offerings boxes in the back of the sanctuary. But it's such a great time to get to be, be together. But before you have a seat, would you turn to somebody, give them a shaka, give them a, give them a air high five. If you're online, go ahead and uh, you can write in the chat emojis, shaka emojis, because it's such a great time that we get to come together and grow and learn in Jesus. And if you haven't been here for the last... If you haven't been here for the last few Wednesdays, Wednesday nights, we're actually having different uh, speakers, pastors and other speakers speak. And tonight we get to have Christian Gapol speak to us about the context of the Bible. So let's welcome him up, Christian Gapol. It's so funny because I remember Christian when he was younger and he's still young. You know how I know he's young? Because he reminds me that I'm not young. So, but we have such a great treat in Christian as he speaks tonight. So give it up one more time for Christian Kapoor. All right, thank you so much, Pastor Ben. All right, so we have something very, very fun and exciting to talk about tonight. Because without this, it causes a lot of arguments. Without this, it causes a lot of misunderstandings. Without this, it causes a lot of just bad stuff. See, tonight we're going to talk about context and if you don't really you know know how important context is what I always like to think about is it's not just what you say but why you said it see there's a phrase that we can throw out that without context can mean a lot of different things see this phrase that I like to use whenever I talk about context is I love you see because I love you can be really playful but it can be super serious It can be like really, really romantic, or it can be very, oh, you shouldn't have said that. See, context in our communication is very, very, very important. And in that same way, we as Christians, we have some very important things that we we read. We have the Bible, and in the Bible, there's these scriptures. And... These scriptures are really important for our walk. Uh, Psalm 119, I love it when it says it this way. It says it in Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And for some context, Psalm 119 is this very long uh, chapter that talks about how much this person is in love with the word of God. So if scriptures are so important for us, if they're a map, if they're a guide, if they're a light to our path, we should kind of know the context about them. See, a lot of the questions that I get from people that don't really know Jesus or people that are very confused or just people that don't really like the Bible have to do with scriptures out of context. A lot of misinterpretations, a lot of what does this mean or why is this this? And I have to always take a step back and be like, whoa, wait, okay, what? Because I don't have that Bible memorized, unfortunately. But I'm always like, okay, first of all, where is this in the Bible? And second of all, let's, 
Let's actually read what it's saying. So tonight, we're all going to have a discussion. We're going to talk about why it's kind of important to know the context about Scripture. And even more than that, how it can help us deepen our relationship with Jesus. See, one of the reasons why I believe context is so important is because just like everything else, scriptures can be taken by someone out of context and it can mean something completely different. In Luke 4, 9 to 12, we can see this happening. And to give a little bit of context, uh, in this we can see Jesus out in the wilderness. And Jesus is being tempted by the devil. So it starts like this in Luke 4, 9. It says, Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and on their hands they will lift you up so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. So here's Satan using the scripture to try and tempt Jesus. But then Jesus says back to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And I love it because it shows that, one, Jesus knew his stuff and that was his way of combating that temptation. He knew his Bible. And so he knew that even though it was scripture, even though it was the word of God, it's very easily taken out of context. Like I said before, Scripture is instrumental in our relationship with God. Not only does it help us defend against um, misinterpretation, not only does it help us guide uh, our way of life because it's very turbulent, can be very confusing, but the Word is a living and breathing work and it's the actions of God. And there's a danger there because if we start to misunderstand the Word of God, we can start to misunderstand who God is. That leads me to my first point about why context is really important, and it's this. When we understand the context of Scripture better, we better understand God. When we understand the context of that, when we understand the context of Scripture better, we better understand God. You know, one of the big things that always gets thrown out is, for me, I, you know, it's the Old Testament God. It's the people come up and it's like, oh, okay, how can God say that this is okay? How can God, um, you know, and they look at God's wrath and they say, okay, you know, this God is just this God who's obsessed with death and destruction and he destroys cities and peoples and all of these things. And I always get those questions of, okay, like this God you follow is this God of death and destruction and all that. And I said, no, that's not the whole story. And I've certainly seen that interpretation of God from some people. Yet, if we look to why God had the wrath, we can see that God is not just a being of pure, blind rage. You know, we can see that God is a God of righteousness. As we understand what, what drove God to wrath, we begin to get a better understanding of the things that God's de God delights in and does not delight in. See, when it comes to God, 
there are so many more complex things happening, especially in the Old Testament, when it comes to rebellion, when it comes to what led to his wrath, when it comes to what those peoples did, and when it comes to how he defends and how he's loyal to his people. See, the context of that scripture is very important to understand the actions of God. In the same way, it's important to understand the context of any action. See, the God that we follow is not a pushover God. The God that we follow is a strong, mighty God. And we can very much see that in the Old Testament. See, he's this God who is awe-inspiring. He's faithful and he's loving and he's also protective. And we can see that whole spectrum in, those, in that context. But if we only look at the action itself, we miss a lot of that. We miss the, wait, Kerry, why, why is that? Because we can just look at what it was and not understand, all right, there's a reason why God wanted these people gone. It's because they were going up against his people. They were doing atrocious acts in his eyes. Another, scene, another common thing that I see placed on God and, you know, a, a lot of people like to throw at me is, you know, God is just this God who's all about rules and he's really strict and he wants to control your life. Because they go straight into Leviticus. And I'm like, man, of all the places. But, yes, there are rules. But I'm sure many of us believe that our lives need rules. And there are certainly people I've met that say, no, no rules is better. But we have to look at why those rules are there. See, these rules often have to deal with the health and well-being of the community. They often have to deal with the righteousness of God's people and how God will see that and protect the morality of his people. And they're also about the well-being of those less fortunate than others. See, these rules aren't meant to make life restrictive, but to keep us safe and to keep us from getting too focused on ourselves. Another thing that this helps are these rules. They might kind of seem, wow, like, I cannot do all those rules. You know, I break them all the time. Believe it or not, those rules help us to see that we all need God. None of us are blameless according to the laws. When we focus on only the rules and not the love behind them, not why they're there, that's how we get all messed up. In fact, we see that in the Bible itself with the Pharisees. See, what happened was the Jewish religious leaders at the time got very, very mixed up in the rules themselves and about being the one who can follow the rules the most and showing that they're better than everyone because they can follow the rules. And although they knew the scriptures better than anyone else, they were blind to what the scriptures were pointing to. They missed the message that the scriptures were, were trying to put forward. And so that when Jesus, who the scriptures and the prophecies were pointing to, was in front of them, they couldn't even recognize him. And as Jesus did these miraculous acts and healed people and taught people, they couldn't see that. They only would see, how could he do this on the Sabbath day? How could he do this action? 
And they started to look and they, get, they got that bitterness and they started to hate their Savior. When we understand the concepts of Scripture better, we better understand who our God is that we follow. The second thing that context does, and this one is pretty obvious if you know context, but two, it helps you better understand the Bible itself. Believe it or not, the Bible wasn't exactly written with us sitting here in a Western society 2,000 years later in mind. The Bible was written by authors, by many different authors, thousands of years ago in a place and time period entirely foreign to many of us. Not only that, but it was also written for an audience that would understand the culture and the land and a lot of the references of the day. And they had very different cultural understandings. They had very different practices than we did. And reading it today, it can seem kind of weird sometimes. And as well as the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in a completely different language. And in fact, in multiple languages. And just like any translation, sometimes you can't get one-to-one translations. Sometimes it's your best guess. Sometimes it's, oh, it kind of means this, kind of means this. So the Bible itself has to be looked at with a certain lens. And for me, one of the biggest ones that I always look at was one that when I was reading, tripped me up. Because I read it and I completely did not understand. I read it and I was like, man, what is this saying? And so I'm going to read it from you. And it's found in Matthew 15, and it's in Matthew 15, 21 to 28. And it'll be up there. And I'll just read through the entire thing, and then later we can discuss it. And it says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. And I remember reading that being so confused because I was like I had a picture of you know I'm sure we all have a picture of Jesus who's very loving and can do miracles and here he is a woman comes up to him and says that hey my daughter has demons and he doesn't answer her and then she goes in front of him or and then you know the disciples are like hey you know we should do something and he says hey listen I'm only here for the Israel I was sent only for the lost sheep of Israel And then she kneels before him, and then he's like, listen, I'm not going to give, I'm not here to give the portion that's meant for the children to the dogs. And so I was very confused. And without context, it's a very confusing 
passage. Well, let's, let's look up some things in here. So first of all, that region that Jesus withdrew to called Tyre and Sidon was a very strange place for Jesus to go. First of all, it was about 50 miles away from where he was. And people from the region of Tyre hated the Jewish people. It was a very mutual hate. They were enemies. Not only that, but the word that is used to describe the women, the Canaanite, is an ancient uh, word for their race, and that's ancient enemies of the Hebrews. Ancient enemies. They really did not like each other. So when Jesus walks into this area and finds this woman who's a Canaanite, of course, there's a lot of that baked-in hatred. There's a lot of that baked-in, you know, not liking each other. Next, of course, was Jesus' mission to the Jewish people primarily. Jesus was saying this, and in fact, he was sent to the Jewish people. And so it's almost in a way of kind of, he's acting in a way that most people would expect a Jewish rabbi to act if he was in that situation. He's not talking to this Canaanite woman, you know, he's not really saying anything. He's saying, listen, I'm here for the you know, Jewish people. And then he even goes to, as far as to throw out the, that analogy of not giving scraps to the dog. And according to what I've seen, dog was a very traditional and bad slur that Jewish people had for the Canaanites. But Jesus actually affected it a little bit. He, he changed it a little bit. And this is something that's lost in some translations. So here's the first word where I'm like, okay, you got to really watch out with the translations because he doesn't say it in the normal way. He doesn't say it like a dog that's out in the street and begging for food, but he says it in a way that's a dog that's like a loved family pet. So he kind of changes the meaning of that. And so now with all of that context, we can now look at that passage again and we can see that Jesus walks up and there's this woman who comes from a race or comes from an area that traditionally hates Jewish people and Jewish people hate back. They are traditionally enemies. And he acts in a way that many Jewish people would have acted. But here's what's the highlight in this and here's the amazing thing in this passage. We can watch the faith of the woman. Knowing that they're historic enemies, she called out to Jesus. Knowing that he may not even talk to her, she, knelt, she kneels before him and begs him, calls him Lord. And knowing that, she even takes what he says to her and says, yes, she actually agrees to it. She says, yes, Lord, I understand what you mean. She understands the mission that he's been sent to, that he's not there strictly for her people. And she says, yes, Lord, but even the, even the dogs will eat the crumbs off of the master's table. In that way, meaning, even we will be blessed 
as you come and give your message to the Jewish people. And then Jesus gives her this amazing compliment. As she goes, as, as, she, dis, as she displays this faith, he says this, and if we can bring that right back up, he says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. Now, without context, that's a pretty good compliment, but with context, here's something about that compliment. Jesus never actually gave that compliment to another person in the Bible. This is the first time that he's given it directly towards someone. So he goes and he says directly to the woman that you have great faith. Now there is another time in the Bible where he does talk about someone else's great faith, but it's not directly towards them, but instead he talks about it to a crowd. He talks about the centurion who has great faith. But he doesn't say, hey, listen, you have great faith. He says, look at the great faith of this man. And this is the first and only time that Jesus goes, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And in that way, we can look at that scripture and see that it wasn't Jesus being some weirdo, but instead, it was a demonstration of the faith that even someone who was not a Jewish person had for Jesus. It was a demonstration of how great that was. And the readers at the time would very much understand this. They would get how amazing it was that someone from this rival region acting this way towards Jesus, how amazing that would be. And how amazing it is that Jesus would call out her great faith. See, the Bible sometimes isn't easily seen through our cultural context. But that being said, so if it's not really written primarily for us, you know, if it's not really meant for us, can we still get something from it? Well, yeah, absolutely we can. See, the word is alive and powerful. And there's this scripture that I don't know if you've ever seen before, but it's called Hebrews 13, 8. And it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And although the Bible was written thousands of years ago, the actions of God throughout are still related today. That Jesus in there is still the same today. And that's what we can take from the Bible. See, a lot of people hear that, oh, you know, the Bible was written thousands of years ago, so it's not even anything today. But no. Yes, we have to look at it differently, but it's still relevant. There's still the same Jesus. And when we can keep that context in mind, if we can keep what the Bible is trying to tell us in mind, we can understand things even deeper and even greater. The third thing I like and why I wanted to do this message and why I felt it go into my heart was this. When we understand the context of the Bible, it helps us fall deeper in love with the word of God. Context in stories is very important. For example, if I could make a completely different example, if you try and listen to a story without context, it's not very interesting. Like for me, one of my favorite stories of all time has this farmer guy that rescues a princess and then him and his friends like beat the bad guys in the end. 
So it's not really that interesting, right? But then when we watch Star Wars and we're like, wow, that's different. He's not on a normal place. He, you know, he's farming something different. And, you know, his, the princess that he's saving is on a space station. You know, as we get the context of things, that's when it gets super interesting. And that's when we can dig into it. See, the basic story is great. Sure, we've seen it. But it's the context that helps us fall in love. So there are three questions that I always look at whenever I read the Bible. And the first one is, who is writing what I'm reading? You know, what, why are they, you know, if this is being written, who is writing it? You know, is it a prophet? Is it a, um, someone trying to make history? Someone trying to, you know, warn something? Is it somebody trying to uh, write to someone else about a slave that escaped from them, but they want to uh, accept them as a brother and not as a slave again? You know, things like this. Who is writing what I'm reading? And second, why are they writing it? You know, is it, is it for me to understand something different? Is it for a chronicle? Is it for something where I'm supposed to internalize it and chew on it and really change my mind on it? Or is it for something that I can see and I can understand how God is moving in different lives? Because there are many different genres, many different things in the Bible may look like one book, but there are many different things. And there's poetry, there are songs, there are psalms, there are proverbs, which are these really cool, wise little sayings. There's historical records, there's love poetry. There's a lot of different stuff in the Bible. And if we all look at it in the same way, it can kind of get a bit weird. I don't read through a song the same way I read through a history textbook. You know, I don't read through poems the same way I read through a story. You know, I, I, it's a different way of we, that we look at it. And when we start to understand those questions, when we start to answer those questions, we start to really understand the dense text in front of us because, yeah, the Bible can be very dense. You know, one time I was asked what my favorite book of the Bible was. And I told them that I actually really love reading through Philippians. And the person looked at me like, why Philippians? Because, you know, there's a lot of different books and they're kind of like a bit confused. And I said, well, here's why I love Philippians. Because Philippians has this guy named Paul and he's writing and he's writing to this church in Philippi. And as you read through Philippians, you can see so many different things. You can see him, you know, writing about how encouraged he is by this church. And he's, you know, and encouraging them and talking about a lot of different things and joy. And this is where he talks about, you know, that very famous and quoted scripture that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. You know, all of these great things come out. And as someone who grew up in the church, I knew kind of about those things. But then I read the context behind it. And I read Paul wrote this while he's in chains. He wrote this while he's in house arrest. He wrote this as he's awaiting the verdict for one of his trials that may as well may have been the one where he died. And I thought to myself, man, me writing this really joyful letter to someone would not be my first response. I thought to myself, man, this guy Paul 
is writing this letter, and I want to know why he's so joyful. What is this secret? And believe it or not, it says it in Philippians. When I understood the context of what he was writing, it made all the words strike doubly true. When he said, hey, listen, I know what it's like to go through hardships. I thought, yeah, you do. You're in chains right now. As I learned more about Paul's life, I was like, yeah, you do. You went through a lot of stuff. And so when he said that I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me, that's my secret. That's what I can, that's how I can go on with strength. I thought to myself, there is somebody who's saying something and putting it in practice. There's somebody that although this is written thousands of years ago, it hit me and it inspired me. And I was like, man, this guy went through so many different things, but he can do it. He can do it with Jesus. So, so can I. And remember that. And that's why that's my favorite book of the Bible because it was the first time that the word really jumped out at me, that it became real, that it became something that I could hang on to see with that context Paul's letter that's full of joy and his famous answer to life takes on an even more sincere meaning so how can we increase the context of, the, of our Bible reading you know I'm up here saying of all the the, uh, the good things about it so how can we increase that context well First, um, one, of the great, one of the great ways that I get a lot of context was following our bookmark. Sometimes our bookmark will line up the two things where it's, you know, we'll read something in the Old Testament and the New Testament part will call back to that thing in the Old Testament. And I'm like, wow, it's almost like they, you know, made that work. And I was like, oh, I know that. I know what Jesus is talking about. I just read about that. And it helps us give us that context. And in fact, there's many times in the New Testament where they'll call back to the Old Testament. Also, to help increase that context, sometimes if you're like me, you'll miss a day and you might think, ah, it's okay, you know, I, I just keep going. You'll miss a lot if you miss a day. So sometimes it helps to go back and actually read through. The second thing that I find helpful is if I find something confusing or if I find something that I don't really understand, you know, the, the words are kind of strange, you know, I look through different translations. I look through, okay, what is this really trying to convey you know why does this sound very confusing for me because again this is not written in English and sometimes that's why there's a little uh, number in it and there's a different word and I was always like wow that's interesting but it's because they're trying their best and sometimes it's not one to one so sometimes it helps to look through different translations look, look through commentaries that have a lot of the culture or the uh, context behind it where they'll talk about hey listen you know this word uh, really means this kind of thing or you know what you're again like just like in that one it's like hey listen the people in Tyre were big enemies and this is why that's that um, it also helps sometimes when I go into a book I'll look up like the major themes in it like I'm like okay what is this trying to say because sometimes the Bible uses very poetic and like flowery language and psalm language and I'm like okay what is it trying to say here and it's not like a thing where it's like literally trying to say that but it's trying to 
allude to something. And sometimes it helps to see, okay, this is what it's trying to help. And um, for that, we did go through a series where we talked about Bible, um, Bible books in broad, or we talked about all of the Bible books, and in front of them we had these videos from the Bible Project that I usually like to look at whenever I look at a new um, thing into the Bible. I like to look through and see, okay, so these are the major themes, these are the motifs, these are kind of what is trying to go through, and from there I can kind of see, okay, now I understand what this is trying to say. Another thing is sometimes we'll find a random scripture in the wild and sometimes it's good and it sounds really uplifting and sometimes it's not and it's like, hey, what does this mean? It really does help to read around the scripture. Um, there's a lot of people that like to take one snippet and be like, hey, this is this and it's like, you've got to read around it. That's not exactly what it's saying. And sometimes even just reading around a scripture will give us a way better understanding about it. Finally, the last thing that we can do to help increase our context is ask questions. You know, if you went through this whole message and you're listening and you're like, man, I don't like studying at all. Like, you're, you, this whole message about studying and going deeper, don't worry, I'm not really one who likes studying, but I do like to learn. And the amazing thing about the Bible is that it is a work that gets to be interpreted by many people and God has found it fit to put a lot of people around me that know the Bible a lot better than I do so I always ask them questions okay what does this verse mean what, what does it mean here and if you, if you kind of feel shame like man I don't want to ask that because that might make me look dumb I've asked a lot of dumb questions but as a community that's what we're here for. We can help each other understand better. See, as we close tonight, I hope I inspired you to take a deeper look into the scriptures. Even if it's just the authors or the purpose behind each of the book. Me, purpose behind each of the books. Because as we do dive deeper into scriptures, as we do understand those scriptures, it helps us it almost transforms the book for us more. Like for me, I fell in love with Philippians after I understood the context. I understood for the first time. I'm like, man, this makes sense. So with that being said, let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray and I thank you so much for me, a God who has given us your word. Lord, just like it says in Psalm, your word is a lamp. So that I pray that as we move forward in it, that we wouldn't be afraid to dive into it, to look for what it, the true meaning is. Lord, I pray that you'd give us that wisdom and that boldness to seek. Lord, I pray that you'd give us that hunger for your word. And Lord, I just pray that you would put the people in our way to help explain it as we don't understand. Lord, I pray that you would continually bless us, keep us safe. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, that's the end of our message. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Feel free to join us on Sunday from 7. Thank you.
But make sure to join us on Sunday on 7, 8.30, and 10 o'clock. All right, I'll see you then.